really like I don't know why she likes him. Yeah, it's like it's extremely unattractive to me. He's a ten, but he's icy to the touch, <laughs> and he feels like a statue. It's like oh, that's gonna be like a two. Like I don't want to cuddle with the David. Thank you very much. <laughs> Hello, fellow readers, and welcome to The Great Feminist Book Throwdown, where we critically read popular texts for your enjoyment. Here at this pod, we believe in searching for what our fiction is really trying to teach us about each other, the world, and our own humanity through the lenses of class, race, sex, gender, and more. With us today, we have our hosts, myself, Mackenzie, Caitlin, and Nikita. All right, guys, let's get into it. All right, and today we are going to be talking about Twilight, the famous, the infamous Twilight, the one that started it all, um, by Stephanie Meyer. And the first book was released in 2006. Oh, 2005, Ooh. sorry. The first paperback edition was 2006. <laughs> um, and it's kind of hard to not know about this book. But for those who have had zero exposure, um, Kito, would you like to give us a quick little synopsis? Yeah. As I was telling Kenzie earlier, this is going to be like the easiest synopsis we've ever done because honestly, when you break it down, like there's not a lot that happens in Twilight, despite like the supernatural, paranormal, like premise of the relationship of Edward, who, spoiler, is a vampire. Um, It's kind of just like a boy meets girl high school story. Um, so our protagonist, Bella, moves into the city of Forks, Washington, to stay with her single father, uh, Charlie, who is also the sheriff of this tiny town. And while going to high school, she discovers a coven of vampires, and one of them falls in love with her. And she falls in love with him because he's super dreamy. <laughs> um, some hijinks ensue, and Bella finds herself saved again and again by Edward, but she also discovers that um, he's kind of a threat to her because, as he puts it, Bella Bella's scent and blood to vampire <laughs> Edward is like his particular brand of heroin, quote-unquote. Um, wow, what a comparison. Right, yeah. out, right out the gate. <laughs> Love that. It really makes you wonder, has Edward ever tried heroin? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> So, like, uh, part of the um, part of the story of the book is how they both love each other, but uh, Edward is going through all of these, like, internal struggles because he is so uh, dangerous to Bella and he's aware of the danger he poses to her. Um, and she doesn't... And she she has no fear of him, which he finds aggravating. Anyway, uh, they have a lot of long conversations about their feelings and then uh, Bella is hunted down by a feral vampire at the beginning or at the end of the book. And she is saved in the nick of time by Edward and his family. And that's where the book ends with Bella saying, I love you and I want to be a vampire. And Edward saying, I could never do that to you. And that's it. Yeah. And at the very end of the book, to save her, interestingly enough, he does have to drink her blood. To, like, oh, yeah, suck yeah. out the poison or whatever. And resist yeah, yeah. Going killing her. all the way. <laughs> yeah. Killing her. Wow, what a phrase. Um, yeah, no, Listen, completely. The metaphor writes itself. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, can yeah. I read the little blurb on the back of the book? Please I do. highly recommend reading any and all quotes you want to <laughs> directly from the text. I just there was this one time when I was like in high school where a friend of mine grabbed another friend's copy of Twilight off her desk. <laughs> And then he like ran down the hall reading it out loud. And I feel like that was the moment where I was like truly embarrassed for liking Twilight. But anyway, go. Fair, fair. Okay. About three things I was absolutely positive. First, Edward was a vampire. Second, there was a part of him, and I didn't know how potent that part might be, that thirsted for my blood. And third, I was unconditionally and irrevocably in love with him. <sighs> nice. nice. Chills. <laughs> timeless. Timeless. Okay, ladies, let's talk about if we liked this book. And also give context. I mean, Kita just said she already liked Twilight. Yes, yeah. Con- context for our history with the book and the yes. series, as well as our feelings about it. Yes. Generally. Yeah. Kaylin, would you like to go first? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's pretty simple because I have seen all the movies, have not read any of the books. So this was my first time. Really? Twilight Twilight Virgin. (laughs) Wow. Um, Yes. So somehow I made it this far without reading it. I don't know. I was given the impression in middle school that it was just, you know, I just wasn't like other girls. (laughs) (laughs) And other girls were obsessed with Twilight. Oh my gosh. I don't know what I was reading. Percy Jackson. Hunger Games. Yeah. Emily (laughs) Winsnap. So yeah, so this was all new to me. And I gotta say, it was both... Well, okay, like, my expectations were hard to set because it's like, obviously, it's a phenomenon, right? Like, how could I not have high expectations? But also my understanding that it was like... A very specific kind of book for a very specific um, audience kind of set my expectations like, oh, I don't know if this is for me. And you know what? It, it did exactly what I thought it would do. I was not disappointed. It is not my favorite book. I just like I enjoyed it. And uh, I feel uncomplicated about that. Caitlin, I got to say, as somebody who likes romance I know. and supernatural that's romance. exactly I mean, it's I like, know. it's just right up your yeah. alley. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly don't know why this never, I mean, well, should I expose myself a little bit? Oh, I absolutely. Had, I had been told it was inappropriate as well. Oh, so, by who? Steam. By who? I don't know. I think the idea yeah. was like, oh, well, like, it's... Concerned parents. Yeah, like, oh, it's, yeah. Yeah, things, things get kind of, like, hot and spicy. And I, was I guess like, I wanted Ooh. to know if you had been, like, talked out of reading it by adults or by, like, other people your age or... Hmm. Sounds like adults. Well... I, I would say I just heard people talking about it. Yeah. Like, that both is, adults and peers. That well, is let me... so interesting that mm-hmm. you say that because... Do you guys know about the famous Stephanie Meyer and um, Stephen King beef? Oh, no. no. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Stephen King like came out in an interview and said like, quote unquote, Stephanie Meyer can't write worth a darn. And he oh. compared her unflatteringly to J.K. Rowling, cough, oh. cough, who could write... <laughs> Really Let's see, well. one of those people has aged better than the other, is all I'm going to say. <laughs> but he specifically said of Twilight that it was this, like, easy entry point into the joining of love and sex for young girls mm. who weren't ready to, like, engage with the feelings that they felt 
when okay, that's they... real rich coming from Stephen yeah, King so, himself. Well, what's, what's even so he basically was saying like this is for girls who don't understand their own feelings yet, who are too young for real world relationships oh, and real world depictions of sex. And but how is that a so problem? many older people loved these books, right? I will I will jump in here to share my experience. Yes. Because it's an interesting jumping off point. I was one of those people who was influenced away from these novels after I'd already started reading them. So oh. I read I read Twilight and then I think I had picked up New Moon and I had started reading it. And then I had a conversation with a peer, like with a friend, and this this friend told me like, "Oh, I just you know, started Breaking Dawn or I just finished Breaking Dawn or whatever. And like, just watch out. It gets really, yeah, like sexual and uncomfortable and whatever. <laughs> and I was, I don't know if scared away is the right term, but I was just kind of like, oh, maybe I don't want to read these hmm. books. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe I just lost interest. Um, So I read the first one in a part of the second one. And then as an adult or like in college, I sat down and I watched all of the movies and I loved them <laughs> because they are perfect. 10 out of 10. <laughs> well, listen, like I'm not going to sit here and say win all of the awards on earth, but just like for what they are, for like the emo, the romance, the the elements of camp, the like True. some of the action camp. scenes honestly. Oh, the soundtracks are, like, alone of each the of the soundtracks. Especially yeah. on like the first few movies. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, yeah. Twilight is an icon. Obviously the series itself is pretty like there it has problems. Um, but like I really enjoyed the movies for what they were. Um, just popcorn. Like romance action mm -hmm. popcorn films. Yeah. Um yeah. and they're hilarious. A lot of people to did. Me. I love yeah. I love them. Um so oh I, I watched them and then later, like much later, just recently as of like a year or two ago, I finally was like, you know what, I'm gonna buy all the books. I'm gonna read them all finally and i'm gonna like have an opinion about them and honestly there are ups there are downs but like twilight as a novel i think holds up really well like hmm. i think it is a, a a worthy entry into this at the time very underrepresented genre of like yeah young girls finding how to love and honestly um an older more mature women can still relate to that. Like, I feel like a place, there's a place in every woman's heart where she can remember being this age or remember being so head over heels in love with someone that it just like completely takes over her life. Um, yeah. Anyway, I just, I find this to be a good representation of this space. And while not perfect, I think it is a, a good, well-written novel that deserves the acclaim. Wow. Take that, so, Stephen King. Yeah. <laughs> did you? So did you read? You read all four of the books. How long ago? Um, it's probably been like a year, maybe. Okay. I read them about and this you, time last year. Okay, so for the first time, then you were reading what? That would have been Breaking Dawn and Eclipse. Yeah. Yeah, okay. and, and like part of New Moon. Okay. So as, as someone, like an older reader, compared to when you were younger reading the first two books, like, did it 
alter like your patience or your enjoyment of the books no and I gotta be honest I mean I know I feel like I heard from you Kita that you felt like Twilight itself was pretty slow I Mm. feel and and my husband actually read these novels recently as just kind of he's reading a bunch of books and Mm -hmm. he actually thought New Moon was super slow and really dragged I don't have that feeling about either of these books because I gotta say I really personally relate to some of these things. And I think that's what pulls a lot of readers through these books is is personally relating to elements of the romance and elements of the love story. And they see themselves in the insert character that is (laughs) Bella Swan. Which we will get to. I have opinions. (laughs) I'm so glad you used the phrase insert character, but I also feel like my, like, quoting Stephen King is just gonna fire you up throughout the rest (laughs) of this podcast. Listen, I am, I am a hardcore defender, and I just think there are a lot of people who said this book was terrible and, and poo-pooed on all the people who loved it because, it was a book that women loved. Yeah. Well, I think it's that simple. Again, yeah. we'll get into that. I mean, the, the, <laughs> I do think there's something to say for the Twilight Renaissance. Oh, yes. Oh, like, for sure. Which is currently yeah. ongoing. Yes. I think so it's, th- these opinions what, it are came much back more like in vogue. Yes. 2015, and I think it's been steadily going on. I would have said that, though. Had I read them you even, think? like, four years ago mm. and not knowing what the youngins are thinking. <laughs> right. Like, I would yeah. have defended these books. I think, like, when I read Twilight as a, a, a younger version of me, like, I walked away thinking, like, Stephanie Meyer is a good writer. And, like, mm. that was a good book to read. Yeah. Not, again, not that it's perfect, but it's, like, she knows how to tell a story. And as an adult reading this novel, same thoughts. Yeah, particularly as an aspiring writer. Yeah, of course. Like, she crafts a narrative really well. Yeah. Again, there are problems, but it's successful for the vast majority of people, I think, who read this novel. Oh, clearly. I mean, you know, she's sitting atop her pile of money somewhere just (laughs) (laughs) celebrating her own success. Well, so, Kita, tell us your thoughts, Miss uh, Stephen King quoter over there. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Actually, I really like the books. I like the, I like Twilight um, for the way that it's written. I think that the writing is really well paced and it's, it's in such a way that it's like hypnotic and it pulls you into the story mm-hmm. itself. But um, I found, I loved them when I was a kid. I think I told Caitlin this earlier this week. I remember reading the book um, the first time when I was like in middle school. And then as soon as I got to the end, I just went right back and I started all over again. Um, and then I remember like getting, uh, Breaking Dawn and me and my best friend, uh, like just sitting side by side, like reading it together because we were so excited, but now rereading them as an adult, (laughs) (laughs) I just, I find them boring. Um, because like I said, in my, in my summary, not a lot happens outside of, uh, you know, Bella and Edward just sitting down and having conversations about, um, who they are and what they mean to each other. Um, so it's just it's just not for me, but I, like I recognize it as like, you know, it was cool in another time of my life. I think I just aged out of it, which isn't to disparage the book. It's just not for me. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think for me, enough goes on that keeps me entertained. I mean, like Maybe Bella, it's just, yeah, 
Well, like, it Bella be- is, like, she sees Edward. They have that whole, like, kind of cat and mouse thing going on where she thinks that sure. he hates her. And then he saves her from the car. Yeah. And then she goes into town to do research. And he saves her from some creepy men who are coming for her. And then they yeah. finally realize it. I feel like there's enough of a story, enough of a plot there. Yeah. Centered on their relationship that keeps pulling me along. And who sure. can forget the baseball scene? Oh, I could. But you know, it could also just be that I reread this story so much when I was younger and I've seen the movie so many times that maybe I'm just too familiar with it and it's like it's too worn out for me. It's too Sure, boring. like it doesn't it doesn't stick happens. out to you. Right. Yeah. Nothing takes me by surprise. I remember exactly the color of the sweater that she was wearing in the <laughs> Italian <laughs> diner scene and I happen to know that there were two Robert Pattinson songs that were playing in the original movie's soundtrack. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, I love these perspectives we have. Um, I would like to contribute that I feel, I hadn't thought this until you said that, Kita, but I feel similarly that these would not be good rereads for me. Mm. I don't I don't think they would give me enough new, like, upon a second reading. You know, mm-hmm. apparently I just have a way more emo soul than either of you do. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I'm in it, I'm like, oh, Bill and Edward, oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I can totally see why Christian thought New Moon was the most boring of them all because see, but like that's I feel the one like that gets me. <laughs> I feel like it's the one where like <clears throat> I feel like this in Twilight too. Like when Edward isn't around, there are all these descriptions of Bella like preparing dinner and doing laundry and like choosing what book to read and prepping her homework and emailing her mom and they're just totally like mundane kinds of things that you know I do in my regular life and I don't want to read about someone else doing but as soon as Edward shows up it's like it's fun and so in New Moon like you don't have a whole lot like going on mm-hmm. like okay I guess there are werewolves and she tries to like <laughs> ride motorcycles and stuff so she maybe there to, is like, more going you know, on put herself in harm multiple times no I as yeah. I have always said like New Moon is the exploration of her inner world and how like dark and and deep and depressed she is and I find that to be really cathartic (laughs) in a way like I don't know just it scratches an itch for me um (laughs) especially well we're not talking about we're not talking about new moon we're moving on (laughs) no that was super deep (laughs) um so let's talk where do we want to start I want to talk about Bella okay let's get in she's the most important part of this okay so yeah Bella (laughs) well I'm curious to know if we had to describe her how would we do that? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. I was also thinking that as well. Like, if we had to go around and list everything we know about Bella outside <laughs> of her relationship to Edward, like, yeah, what would you guys say? She loves her mom. She's growing a relationship with her father, and they have kind of, like, a, a strained relationship, but they, like, meet, become to, like, mean a lot to each other. Um, she wants to... Like, there's a part of her that kind of wants to be the type of person that her friends see her as, but ultimately she is very not, very much not that person. She's always on the fringes of her friend group, even though they seem to like that she's kind of a blank canvas because she's just there to, like, tell them that they're right or whatever. She just kind of, like, affirms their own opinions. (laughs) She's a yes woman. She is kind of a yes woman, honestly. (laughs) Um, She values her independence, like... 
Charlie gets her that car and she is like absolutely thrilled that he would let leave her that and she's able to kind of like take care of herself. Um, she is known for always taking care of those around her. She takes care of Charlie. She's taken care of her mom her whole life. Listen, I've got qualities. <laughs> yeah, Mackenzie is taking this task very seriously. No, like I, I that. like I have always said, <laughs> like Bella is a self-insert character. Like she's supposed to not have the strongest personality in the world right. because she's meant to be there as a person that you can live through in this way. Yeah, I think <laughs> my problem is I can't live through her. See? Yeah. My emo heart. <laughs> and that's why it's like, it's like for me, it had to be one or the other. It had to be, I can be her or I can get invested in her. Mm. Yeah. And because I am not her, like I aggressively do not relate to her. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I perceive her to be extremely passive. Yeah. I just, I just and feel like. it really bothers me. And I, I also really don't like that she doesn't have any hobbies. She does a lot of things to live. I decided yeah. at the end of the book. But when, like, does Harry Potter have a lot of hobbies? I haven't I read I mean, he has Harry Quidditch. He has his friends. I don't he know. Has, <laughs> he has Quidditch and his friends for plot reasons. I just, I guess where I'm coming from is I just don't feel like the criticisms of Bella as a written character mm. hold water outside of just people wanting to disparage. I I see where you're coming from. I think there's validity it's, it's fine if to you the don't, criticism. Yeah, I, I think it's fine if you don't just, you read the book and you don't like her. Like, that's fine. I, I think for me, the hobby thing matters because the book is so otherwise substanceless. That like but Kita the relationship said, is the substance. But that's the thing is when she's not in the relationship, what does she have? And that's yeah, why I when Harry Potter doesn't have the plot, what does he have? He has the plot. The whole book. Why is are we the plot. bringing up Harry Potter? Let's break <laughs> away from Stephen King, who <laughs> we will refer to as Stephen for the rest of this podcast. I think Mackenzie's trying to make the point that people don't criticize Harry that way. People don't say yeah. about Harry what are his hobbies, what does he do in his spare time. I understand yeah. that like other protagonists are more driven and have more. They're, they have goals sure. and they're pursuing something. Be what Bella is pursuing is a relationship. Yes. And I feel that that is where... And people can be like, oh, she's so lame. All she does is just follow Edward around, blah, blah, blah. Her focus is the relationship. That's what she's yeah. actively building all of the time. I, I agree with Caitlin that I wanted to see, like, you know, if she had free time, what would she choose to do? Because other than reading and, like, laying out in the sunshine, we're not really shown much of like what she liked to do or what she I just wanted don't for know herself why or... that matters because with other main characters that's not a problem and with her specifically like that's what regular people do like regular people because take there care were of their so families many, yeah I think it's because there were so many descriptions of her downtime um right outside was, of her it was time very... with Edward we were made very aware of her downtime right the downtime felt very down and, and, and very present like there yeah. was downtime it's like usually you don't get a description of characters like going into the bathroom and like brushing their teeth <gasps> and that's I think that's a fair criticism of like Stephanie as an author but again I think she's trying to show that this relationship is what is driving the narrative and the sure. plot and Bella and outside of that Bella's just a normal person sure. like I I, I I think it's fine to say that there could be less of that but I don't think yeah. that should be held against Bella as a character right I guess for me that's I'm trying to explain why I don't see myself as her the passivity really bothers me 
because I do not perceive myself that way. There's this moment at the end of the book where they're dancing and Edward says to Belly, there's so many things that you haven't done yet before you want to become a vampire. Are you sure you want to throw your whole life away? And she says, like, nothing matters but my life with you. And I totally believe that that character would feel that way because I don't know what else she wants aside from Edward. And I guess, like, again, I can't really, like feel myself in a character like that. I'm not, I'm not... I just don't like people coming for her as a character. I'm it's not... It's finding connect. I'm not making the argument even that I think has been made, which is that she's a bad role model. Like, oh, people... Because no. I think people would say, like, what are we teaching girls that all they should do is go for men? Like... No, 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 no. No, like, I'm not concerned about that. It's just that I personally am not relating to many yeah. of her qualities. yeah. I did, just as an aside, I decided I would have liked it if she were a dancer. And I know that this goes against <gasps> the whole clumsy thing that apparently is her personality. <laughs> um, which is funny to see, like, how that became such a big part of the... Like the trope? The I'm not like other girls trope. Like, that became a thing, right? Other girls oh, are like graceful. Not, I'm not right. sporty. I'm, clumsy. I'm not tan. <laughs> dances. Yeah. I don't like to go to the prom. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, this was, you know, like, at the, like 2005. Yeah. Like, Re- remember what it was like to be in 2005, ladies? <laughs> I was I nine. Try to block that out. <laughs> um, I wasn't going to the prom Apparently, either. I was living my best life. <laughs> Wait, did either of you guys ever wear those, like, bumps in your hair you know <laughs> no we did not well i didn't own one but would i make my own with clips <gasps> yes wow <laughs> listen i was listening to i was listening to my chemical romance i was listening to evanescence i was like i wasn't i wasn't like emo but i was like emo pop adjacent <laughs> and like this was well, the vibe. Well, she, I'm just I'm specifically talking about the Mary Sue aspect of her character, though. You you have the clumsiness. You have the fact <laughs> that when she shows up, five men fall in love with her. Five men. Five. Right. I think Mary Sue is maybe the wrong adjective yeah. to use, but I, I do thought... think she has a little bit of a pick me girl energy. Sure. Oh sure, sure. wow, that's a recent recent term. I yeah, <laughs> I was gonna we, say I thought of Mary that. Sue would be like. Someone who's effortlessly good at everything. Yeah, I feel like Mary Sue is the opposite. It's it's not Mary Sue. It's like, um, what did we call it before? Pick me, girl. That's (laughs) truly don't know. Just not like other girls. But like, it's it's, there wasn't really a term for it pre like 2010. Like the (laughs) fact that, um, like she says to Edward multiple times, like I'm not special. Oh yeah. I don't know why you like me. Well, and remember, this was the genesis for so many of those tropes. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like this was the beginning of that, but it is very funny to see this is it. This is this. You, Stephanie. This is where it you, started, honey. Because <laughs> like she says that to him, and he says, "Oh, you couldn't hear all the men's thoughts the day that you moved I in." Oh my I god! And I'm like, bruh. You want me to believe that every single man in this school was lusting after her pale, yeah. clumsy, quiet self? But listen, no. every yeah. every 15-year-old, 14-year-old girl wants that. Like, they know, like, the boys around them are not showing them attention. So it's yeah. like, imagine just how beautiful it is to read a story where it's like, the boys around you aren't really showing you attention, but like... 
if you could see their thoughts right now. I mean, yeah. honestly, yeah. their thoughts would be pretty gross. Not gonna lie. I'm like, ew. I'm like, that, but like that's in, disgusting. But, like, in a romantic girl's, like, sure. dream. Particularly, like, yeah, with Bella, who doesn't really seem to be good at anything, but she's a big reader. Um, and she doesn't think that she's particularly beautiful. Like, I feel like that appeals to so many people who would probably be reading this exact book. Tag yourself. See, I yeah. think it's me as someone who fits <laughs> Including myself, into, yes. Yeah, as someone who fits into that, like, box, yeah. it, like, I bring cynicism to the table. Like, See, I, yeah, I think <laughs> if like, you had read this at 13 or 14. I don't know. I think it would hit different. I, I honestly don't know. Turn back the clock, man. Turn back the <laughs> clock pre-2010. Like, like, pre, like, all of the, I will everybody say, getting over the picnic. Maybe 13, 14. But any older yeah. than that, and I think I would have been skeptical. Right. Because, well, and I think this book was super successful in that age range. Right. And all, I think yeah. that's why, as an adult now, I'm like, mm, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you no feel man like that, felt that way that about You guys me. are divorced from your inner awkward teenager no, no, too. <laughs> That's I feel like that is. 12 to 14 age range is when you're in this time where you desperately want to have all of the attention of your peers but also don't want to be seen at all you don't want to stand mm, out yeah it's a paradox and, yeah. yeah and Bella really appeals to that mindset because yeah. she is she doesn't do anything and she effortlessly gets all this attention uh beautifully said Kita beautifully yes, said I think, Thank I think you. that is a good point it's like you don't want to be perceived but you do. But you desperately want to be, like, right. seen. Yes. Which yeah. is what Edward You does wear that her. My yes. Chemical Romance t-shirt to middle school one day, and you're, <laughs> you're hoping that everybody looks at it and makes some judgment about you being cool, and nobody notices. No. Oh, no, I was a wallflower in middle school. I was a wallflower when, like, all of this was yeah. happening, and I just... That still lives in me. Yeah, you know? it spoke to you. It, it speaks to you. <laughs> really exposing myself. <laughs> um... Okay, well, so do we want to move on to talking about... Well, should we talk about Bella... And Edward. And Edward. Yes. Let's, yeah. let's just, let's discuss the power duo themselves. <laughs> so and they a are. lot of, yeah, a lot of criticism of their relationship comes from the fact that Edward is perceived as controlling. Do you guys agree? He's extremely overprotective. Okay. Yeah. To the point of, I mean, that's already a bad thing, but to the point of controlling some aspects of what she wants to do, which I do find problematic. Yes, I I agree. I think there, it's like I'm thinking of the scene where, okay, like the fact that she doesn't want him to carry her. Like she, yes. she aggressively doesn't want him to carry her. And he basically starts like kissing her and like just being like, I'm sorry, what was that? Wait, what was that? And yes. like just coerces her into like being okay with it. It's the classic, like it, it gives me that vibe of like, I'm, I'm taking this basket of laundry up the stairs. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. the man aggressively comes around. It's like, I'll take the basket. No, let me take the right. basket of laundry. I will. T- and then, then he grabs it from you and just takes it up the stairs. Right. It's like, I didn't want this. I explicitly right. wanted to carry my own laundry. Right. But like, there's the underlying message of like, well, I know, but you actually do want me to carry you. I'm oh. kind of, you actually do want me to help you. It's though. the, the I whole, when she's saying no, yes. she's actually saying yes. Yeah. It, it's That's the, the vibe. It's the, I know best. You are a little flower that I must yeah. protect. Yeah. yeah, like when he doesn't want her to drive her car. Yeah, he's like, let yeah. me drive for you, and she's like, no. And and you brought up her her independence. And I yeah. agree with you. She makes a point to be like, I like driving my truck. I want to drive my truck. Mm-hmm. And he basically says, no, you can't drive right now. I'm a better driver. Yeah, I'd be safer. <laughs> and oh, your yeah, truck no. is so slow. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> problematic. I mean. 
Oh, boy. There's just so much to talk about. I mean, (laughs) she is 16 at the start of this book. 17. She's 17. Yeah. She's 17, and he is 117. (laughs) Um, I don't remember when he was born. He was turned, like, 1918 or something like that. I'm sorry, all of... (laughs) Do we still call them (laughs) Twihards? Or is that, that like, a bad thing to call people? All the people who love Twilight, I'm sorry if I... The fandom. ...get things wrong. (laughs) I apologize. Um, He's at least 100 years older than her. Um, Stephanie gets around this by not showing his perspective. Which, by the way, uh, listeners, our next pod is going to be Midnight Sun. So the companion novel from Edward's perspective. And I am thrilled to read it. Because that. none of us have read that. No. no. I think it's going to be a little bit of a trash fire, but I'm super excited for it. <laughs> Let's go. Um, yes. But anyway, so he's super older than her, but he still acts like yeah, does he's he, supposed to be does 17. Does he feel 17 to you guys? No, but she doesn't feel, I mean, sometimes she feels 16 to me, 16, 17, and sometimes she doesn't. Like, I think she makes a comment at the beginning of the book where, like, she and Edward are talking and Edward says, like, you don't seem like you're 16 either. Mm -hmm. And she's like, my mom always said I was born middle-aged. And I was just thinking to myself, like, I am so sick and tired of people explaining, like, age in a like age differences dramatic age differences between like men and younger women as saying like oh she's really mature for her age like i want to i want to change it around what if we just said that the man was really immature for his age and that was like the best right. he could do <laughs> right he's really immature for his age yeah <laughs> been around a, a century he's super immature i mean yeah. yeah it's just kind of i feel like it's one of those things that calls for a suspense of disbelief yeah. Like, you are told he is a century older than her, and you just have to kind of suspend your disbelief at how he is acting. I would say I believe it more than I thought I would. I feel like he kind of acts like he's, like, 20. Yeah, he doesn't... Sure. I feel like um, <laughs> Robert Pattinson is the image that I had in my mind because of the movie. Of but course. But I feel like this Edward seems younger to me than the Robert Pattinson Edward. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, That's fair. Which I think is good. Like, Robert Pattinson just feels old. <laughs> this, is a, this is kind of off topic, but Robert Pattinson said in an interview that he was trying to imagine what a 117-year-old virgin would act like, and that was the character he came up with. So if he feels oh, weird to you, so that's what the commentary is. Yeah, but we all know Rob hated, right. absolutely hated <laughs> these movies. Which I love that for him. <laughs> I know. So funny. Um, but I anyway. actually think they do, a, like, for some reason, I believe it more than I thought I would. And I also think it helps that you add in the vampire element. Yeah. Like, specifically, the bloodlust element sounds gross do you feel like it kind of like takes him out well well the fact that he likes her specifically because she smells so good and so different you mean there's like an active reason for him to exactly it's not just that he's like oh with her beauty yeah because it'd be one thing if he liked her separately from that and if he was just like you're the first girl i've connected with (laughs) in a hundred years that's so weird yeah like that's ew to me but for some reason like the fact that he first clues into her yeah because well and also the fact that he can't read her thoughts which i think let's think about the controlling thing here right 
right? Yeah. Like, he is, it drives him nuts that he can't, like, read her mind. And he says that over and over and over again. And, like, yeah. honestly, I'm over here thinking, this is good for you. Yeah. You yeah. need this, you sick freak. <laughs> you're so used to being able to hear everyone's yeah. thoughts. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. But I it kind of, like, it kind of rocks him back. Yeah. And so he's able to kind of reevaluate yeah. her yeah. as, like, a personage. And so that kind of, it does kind of make sense to me why he would take a special interest in her. Yeah. Yeah. If we're talking about, does this age difference gross me out? It does not. It probably should. Mm. But, like, again, it's kind of that suspense of disbelief that the narrative is asking you to make. Just, like... Yeah every other supernatural romance asks you to make like every romance where it's like i'm a god and i've been alive for millions of years or whatever (laughs) right cough cough like the girl who fell beneath the sea i was thinking about that yeah yes um so the age difference in in concept is never the fave but it it, it manages to work Mm -hmm. i suppose Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i guess whenever he's saying like i know better than you i know what the risks are that you are putting yourself in danger of it's more of a comment on his like physical abilities than it is on his like knowledge and his time on earth they're they're inherent like power differential between them yeah which is crazy yeah Yeah. she is as a bug And he is as a god. Like, yeah. there's yes. really no comparison between them. Wow, I was actually thinking about this. Like, what was the evolutionary, like, lead up to the development of vampires? Because they are You're way, way overpowered. You're thinking way too deep about this. <laughs> hunting human prey. I had to assume it came. She made a comment, like, how did the angel fish develop at the same time as the shark? And I was like, those... That's not, it's like, come on. Um, <laughs> that's like a question. Really, I think it was Edward who said that. And I was like, you feel 17 to me right now. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. I, that is an interesting question from like a world building perspective though, because seriously, they are so overpowered to be able to like, quote unquote, hunt humans. Cause he's like, yeah. I am the perfect hunting, killing machine of humans. <laughs> and it's like, you really went overboard with this. Right, you did not need to be as powerful as you You are. super didn't need like superpowers. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you already had it going for you. You didn't also need to be able to read minds. Yes. yes. But anyway, that's I was, neither here nor I was thinking there. about the, the skin sparkling <laughs> thing, which she kind of... I'm so curious Such a to meme. know. Like, Stephanie... Imagine Stephanie. We're, we're Stephanie, okay? And we're thinking, <laughs> okay, we're making a vampire. He has to be hot. But also, we do want him to be a vampire. How do we kind of explain, like, you know, there's the blood drinking and there's the... Uh, they don't sleep at night. Like, there's some some classics. And then she's you like, know, but I, I need a reason that they don't go outside kind of during the day. But also I need him to be able to be outside during the day. Yes. Yes, so, yes, yes. So she came up I, with, okay, what if they sparkle? They and dazzle so, like and, and so it would give them away. So they have to hide. You know, because again, they have the to hide. dazzling, at least it was like, it was new. Like, I hadn't seen that before. I think up till Twilight... Most of, like, the vampire stories I'd been reading, especially those in the YA, had shown vampires as, like, like for those of you who have read Sunshine by Robin yeah. McKinley, oh, yeah. or maybe, like, Anne Rice's uh, vampire, I forget what they're called, Vampire Chronicles? Interview like, with a Vampire. Oh. Yeah, but it was the three books with Lestat. And, um, mm-hmm. and then I think there was some other vampire books from the same author who did the the blood and chocolate werewolf story and but like they always showed vampires as being like really like in like not human like creepy kind of creepy to a disgust (laughs) like definitely not an object of like sexual desire but like 
Edward is, he sparkles in the sun. He's beautiful. Yes, his skin feels like uh, marble, but it's yeah, it's gorgeous. Ice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you saying that you appreciate that because it's creative? Yeah, I appreciate her, like, completely okay. rewriting, right. like, the vampire as, like, a romantic figure. Okay. I kind of, I, I like what both of you said. I also think Caitlin has the right idea of it. I think, I think Stephanie worked backward. Yeah. I think Stephanie is thinking, what does a girl find attractive? Slash a woman. Yeah. Like, what is attractive to them? And what are the vampire characteristics right, what is that I have to... Those? And, like, where those two lines crossed. That's <laughs> exactly. where she found her vampire. I gotta say, though, the application of the skin sparkling seems pretty inconsistent to me because I'm like, you Agreed. know, the sun does beat out <laughs> Oh Stephanie. my gosh, I was thinking you about been to that Forks, too. Washington? <laughs> I'm like, the sun, like, shines. You know, I think clouds. when I was reading these books, I think oh. I even Googled, like, the place in America because I think he says something like It's like the, it's like the rainiest place mm-hmm. in America or something. I think I looked it up I don't think the answer was Forks, Washington. I think it's Seattle. Maybe it? it was at the time was, she was writing this book. It was and something then, you know we've really dealt with random. years of like of environmental catastrophes. I don't know. <laughs> perhaps no, it, perhaps. But I just thought it was so funny because I, I was like, really, is Forks, Washington the most rainy place in America? And I I don't think the answer was Forks, Washington. But anyway, um, I just feel it would actually be a bigger barrier. He acts yeah. like, oh, it's going to be 70 degrees today. I guess I can't go outside because it's going to be sunny. And it's like, what? It was overcast yesterday, but there was light on your skin. Yeah. So I honestly think the only time it really comes into play is when they're in the meadow and she's like, wow, he's so sexy. Yes. And yeah. in New Moon when it's a plot point. I think oh, those yeah. are... Yeah, you've seen the movie. I forget. Yeah, that's you the whole reason. Like at Robert the very Pattinson end. takes off his shirt and you oh, see in Italy, his very yeah. unchiseled torso with the little and he's trying, of he's trying hair. to um, end himself, and that is the method by which he does it, so that humans will see him, so that they oh. have to, you know, get him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's a choice. Yeah, I was I like, ah, you're pale in a British way, not a <laughs> vampire way. well and i kept remembering the scene in is it breaking dawn part one when is the one when she's like cold and wet and he's like jacob you have to cuddle her because i'm that's definitely eclipse Eclipse. yeah at the very end when they're in the i just kept thinking that every time she was like oh his skin's so cold i was like yeah what no i happens when girl i cannot get past that literally every time they physically interact i'm like he's marble he's a marble statue that's all he is you are cuddling with a marble cold statue well every time they talk about like wrestling or falling around and like his arms forming an iron cage around her i'm always like how how is that possibly going to protect her when he's basically a statue and she's like organic matter? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it makes me really like, I don't know why she likes him. Yeah. It's like, it's extremely unattractive to me. <laughs> he's a 10, but he's icy to the touch. <laughs> and he feels like a statue. <laughs> it's like, That's going to be like a two. Like, I don't want to cuddle with the David. Thank you very much. <laughs> like, right. Like you want to admire it from afar. Sure. You don't want to, like, engage in physical <laughs> well, contact. Well, I guess you guys no. would be in the minority because apparently some people did. Listen, I will always be Team Edward, but really? in reality, Team Jacob. No, Kita, you have not. Have you reread the other books recently? Jake- Jacob comes off real rough. Yeah, Jacob's bad. <laughs> like, real. Like, Eclipse, it, he looks terrible in Eclipse. Okay. Um, not like to actually, mention, the fact that there was a Team Jacob is weird to me. Same. Like, you know, there, what's so funny is that, like, Taylor Lautner, in some ways, has, like, 
gotten more attractive as he's gotten older because he's kind of gotten a little out of shape. So now he looks like this really cute, like really approachable, like dad kind of. I would agree with that. I'm like, Bella, you missed out on so much. <laughs> Caitlin sent me a TikTok the other day and he's dating a very lovely woman. And they were at someone's like baby shower. Yeah, they look very happy together. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Just like, really oh, okay. happy for him. Really happy it for seems Taylor important, It seems important to note that he is not Native American. No. Yeah. And, but he's supposed to be playing a Native American character. Unfortunately. Yeah. Many of the other cast, I believe, who are portraying Native peoples were. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Jacob, importantly, was is he, not. He's just like tan. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you love that? It's just so funny. Why did they cast him? <sighs> because he was a teenage heartthrob, Caitlin, a uh, sharp I mean, boy and lava girl. <laughs> I wish, I wish I could say that they didn't still do that to this day in other uh, popular know. TV shows no, like so right. Yellowstone, Cough Cough. Oh, but they do. It is, is. It really is. In this we've day gone off topic a little bit. <laughs> it all feels relevant. It though. does. It does. <laughs> um, do we want to get back to like how Edward treats Bella? Oh. Okay. I just want to say. As I was reading this book, I would, of course, read things out loud to Nathaniel. And I would, like, complain about things to Nathaniel. And Nathaniel asked me, like, oh, it sounds like Edward is infantilizing Bella. And I would have to say I did get that vibe. There were, like, a number of times where Stephanie describes or, like, Bella describes, like, him picking her up like a five-year-old or holding her like a toddler. Oh like, gosh. literally. Wait, the five-year-old comment? She says something about feeling like a five-year-old, and he says, you don't look like a five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to vomit. Oh, that's a bad I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Anyway, please continue. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's, that's it. That's so, many, so many questions, honestly, <laughs> about things like that. <laughs> um, well, and I was mentioning this to Mackenzie earlier. Um, I'd be curious to know, Kita, did you notice how often he was enraged? Or I did, yeah. He was He's constantly, like, growling or being jealous of her when he absolutely doesn't need, not jealous of her, but jealous of, like, attention coming her way when he yeah. absolutely doesn't need to be. Um, like, angry at, like, the people and the risks, like, coming towards her. I don't know. Yes, he's angry a lot of the time. He's also, like, he says that he's not angry at her, but he clearly is. They argue frequently. Right. Yeah. Yes, I actually, I made note of the fact that um, I was like a lot of the time she talks about him or her feelings about him or how she feels after being with him. She yeah. is, she describes negative emotions. Yeah. Like, yeah. And she always makes sure to say that she's like not afraid of him. Although every so often she's like, I'm not afraid of you. I lied or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, okay. Um, She's trying to protect time, his feelings. Right. And a lot of the time, like, she just sounds, like, distressed. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. she's very concerned about his emotional state when she senses that he's angry. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I make you mad? Oh, yeah. Like, she apologizes to him all the time. Yeah. She, and that, oh, honestly, yeah. I'm, like, sad for her. I'm like, Bella, you you literally did nothing. You just asked him, like, yeah. when he was born or something. Mm -hmm. And, like, now you, like, feel bad for, like, yeah. making him a parent like have some kind of reaction like <laughs> made me feel bad it yeah. just it feels like it feels in a lot of ways like my first relationship where you're just yes. like you're so desperately <laughs> in love that you don't stand up for yourself at all 
And it's, it's frustrating to see from a third party perspective because you want the person to be confident in themselves and not yeah. have to feel like they are constantly apologizing. That's obviously yeah. a very bad thing. <laughs> yeah. It, especially because Bella never does anything wrong, honestly. No, she's no. so inoffensive. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> Caitlin might say bad. that her inoffensiveness is in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe as a reader, but like to him as a partner. Yeah. She's a great partner. Yeah, she yeah. doesn't really do anything wrong. The things yeah. that he gets mad at her about are like putting herself in danger, quote unquote, from his perspective. But that's his problem mm-hmm. because he's controlling and he's overprotective of her. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's so fragile. She's a little fragile flower. She's <laughs> Tiny little yeah. human. Do we, do we have anything good to say about the relationship? I'm glad you bring this up because I feel like there's a reason why these books are so popular and why Edward himself is such a figure of desire amongst so many different people. And I wanted to talk about the qualities of Edward that are Mm. positive Mm -hmm. um, and what he brings into their relationship. And I remember reading this like essay, I can't remember when or where, I think it was like on BuzzFeed where somebody talked about how Edward is awesome because like how often are young girls going to be in a relationship with a guy who is like so attentive to them and so flawlessly beautiful and so like unpushy when it comes to being like physically intimate and things like that. I also think it's important to call out that like as dangerous as Edward is to Bella in reality and in the things that he says to her, Bella feels safe around him. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really awesome quality to have in a relationship is when you're with someone who makes you feel safe. I think that's a good point. Like, she doesn't feel safe. I mean, based on things he says, you want... It's almost like he thinks she should be afraid and it's right. weird that she's you, not like, afraid. You, like, want her to be a little more concerned. Right. <laughs> but based on her feelings and we're getting it filtered through her experience, like Lakita like says, like, she seems to feel... She feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's an element of like all of these feelings wrapped up in the Edward Bella relationship, like how he is so protective, overprotective of her. Well, and I (laughs) I was going to add that like it is uh, brought up multiple times that she is the caretaker, especially for her mom. Charlie and and yeah, yeah. like she's thinking about, I mean, even at the, the climax of the book, she's so worried about. Like, oh, no, I have to make sure that my mom and my dad mm-hmm. stay out of this. And like she safe. puts herself in danger yeah. to right. protect them. Like, she's clearly accustomed to being the parent. And, like, I read a – I pointed out a quote earlier to Mackenzie about how she's, like um, – it's something about her being accustomed to – Oh, she says, I've always been very good at repressing unpleasant things. <laughs> and they just kind of move on past that. I was like, Bella, babe. Therapy. I'm like, that's bad, yeah. <laughs> first of all. But, like, in the context of, I, I guess, for whatever reason, she felt like she had to kind of become another parent in her family. Yeah. It probably feels really nice to have Edward just do everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. like if she has to be so A-type. It's nice to kind of yeah. like sometimes be a little B type yeah. with your with your partner. Right. Like let them take the lead. Yeah. Like it's nice to be an independent woman and then to kind of be able to just like let your guard down and be mm-hmm. like, wow, I don't have to be the only person looking out for me. Yeah. I don't have to be the only person who's like t- making sure things get done and who's like taking care of people. So mm-hmm. that's probably yeah. good for her in yeah. her relationship. I'm glad that we have segued over into one of Bella's most, like, critiqued um, traits, which is her, like, savior complex. Mm -hmm. Um, 
like she's gotten a little a lot of flack for like throwing herself unnecessarily in harm's way to save other people um i don't i don't know if she does that all that much but i yeah continue i (laughs) i do feel like she unnecessarily puts herself at the bottom of the totem pole like in any situation like she came out to forks because she was prioritizing her mother's happiness over her own you know she goes with edward to this field where potentially he could kill her and she doesn't tell anybody because she wants to protect edward and then Mm -hmm. she goes to her death at the end of the book because she doesn't want to like risk her mother dying or put any of the cullens in harm's way trying to protect her and it kind of made me feel a little bit frustrated. Like, I see that this is a good quality that she's trying to protect the people that she loves. But I also felt like I wanted to see her value herself more because, like, you mentioned particular events happening. And I think, like, women sacrifice themselves for their children and for their family and for other people. And you don't necessarily have to do that. Like, you have value yourself. You don't have to, like, sacrifice like your self-worth isn't in that you sacrifice yourself for others. No, I think that's a great point, especially <clears throat> for women. Yeah. I would say it is a, a fairly maternal quality, or I guess it's something that we've taught women to do more of. But. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think um, it's interesting in the way that we lionize some behaviors that men can exhibit while downplaying... like. And it is a problem to so put everybody else's needs over your own. Like, it is an absolute problem. But, like, if you kind of see in a in a different novel, like, the hero going out of their way to being like, I'm going to go sacrifice myself and mm-hmm. I'm going to go, you know, because my comrades, they mean so much to me and I'm going to go out of my way to protect them and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not seen as the same type of sacrifice or Mm. whatever um like it's it's praised more than so i guess like with the savior complex thing like she absolutely does have one of those and in a day-to-day life situations it's probably not positive to have that to that degree um but in other ways i don't think it's that it's not that big of a problem as in it's not that out of the norm like she goes to save her mom at the end of the book that's just the classic kind of like hero thing. I guess what's you would not see in any other book. Yeah, but what's not normal is the fact that she did go to that meadow with Edward and she didn't tell anybody where she like she didn't do anything to protect herself. She put all of her faith in Edward and if he was going to kill her and make a mistake then so be it. Yeah, it's not normal in a romantic context and, and especially right. in a real life context. Uh, I think it is more normal to be seen as protecting others to the nth degree in an adventure type of narrative. Well, and um, I think in the context of their relationship, like she definitely, (laughs) raise your hand if this is you. (laughs) Um, But like she thinks that she can like save him, right? Yeah. Like, which is a problem. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like we cannot be approaching romantic relationships like that. Um, but I think she's just, she's a fixer. She sees a man in need and she, you know, he says jump, she says how high. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. (laughs) And who of us, who among us have not had that problem? But like, here's the thing. (laughs) 
here's the thing is Bella wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like, because he is better off with her and she does kind of, you know, bring joy and light to his life. So <laughs> I know that's a problem. It is a problem. <laughs> it's I a know. problem for normies. Like us. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, being a fixer is generally right right and it is not a great idea therapy time for yes. her yeah therapy time <laughs> agreed um okay well wh- what else do we want to touch on i mean do we want to kind of zoom out a little bit and look at the book like the themes of the book the themes of the narrative its similarities to other media um or are there other specific oh, wait, things? I wanted to bring up <laughs> Fifty Shades. Oh, okay. So I, I mentioned to Mackenzie, Akita, that um, previously I did not understand how Fifty Shades... Again, I haven't read it, but I do know the whole plot. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, really going out of your way to just emphasize that you haven't read it, Caitlin. <laughs> Listen, if I had read it... Uh. <laughs> say I would like declare it proudly that's probably not true um (laughs) I just I find it an intriguing (laughs) piece of media um but I didn't understand how it was an interpretation of uh of Twilight and Mm -hmm. and this is I'm saying this as a person I think this is why it interests me as a person who's very familiar with fan fiction Mm -hmm. I don't think I understood how this was fan fiction how one led to the other yeah like I didn't really see my conception of like Edward and Bella's relationship in how it's portrayed in Fifty Shades uh but reading the book because boy did you (laughs) I hadn't I hadn't read the book before and like man it's in the text (laughs) oh yeah I mean, like, all I, those descriptions totally of it. him holding her wrists and caging oh gosh, yes. her in his arms and yes. all the demands that she buckle herself into the various <laughs> oh vehicles. Gosh. It was there no, all I along. made the note there because she makes the comment. Someone, I think he makes the comment about, like, being a prisoner or something. And that's when he, like, he takes her wrists and, like, cuffs them with his hands. Because, you know, his hands are so big and her hands are so small. <laughs> His hands are like iron, kid. Right, exactly. <laughs> they are marble manacles around her wrist, you know, whatever. Um, but I was like, wow, the BDSM really writes itself. <laughs> it's there. Yeah. Well, um, it, and it grows out of that um, right. that feeling of, like, wanting to be protected and, and totally overpowered and everything. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the seeds are here, for they sure. They are. Yeah. And I also feel we should acknowledge, again, because I've seen other creators say this, but, like, Fifty Shades is not the best and healthiest depiction of that kind of no. um, sexual relationship. Yeah. So I'm not saying yeah. like, oh yeah, they like just they take their relationship and just make it sexy. Like no, I think they do some bad things. <laughs> I think with they it. take. I think the quality of Edward, like it's the attentiveness and the obsession that mm-hmm. is yes. like really attractive in both books, and maybe like in a fantasy world. From a distance, those things, especially when, like, they're being exhibited by this, like, really, like, sexy, attractive uh, person, like, it looks ideal. Well, and I said this to Caitlin briefly, um, but I feel that there's something, yeah, there's something, like, safe about reading these things in, like, erotica or in romantic novels or just, like, whatever, where it's, like, this is a safe place to kind of let all of our 
our inner desires of, yeah, like being protected and being, uh, you know, looked after and blah, 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 blah. Like let them all kind of like play out. And I think that is something that's also, you know, enjoyable about erotica, um, even and especially erotica that is, you know, more hard core kind of stuff. Like it is in a safe place you want to read about encounters like this, even yeah. if it's like, even if violence is happening, it's like, this is safe violence. This is, you yes. know, it's stuff in a novel. I can walk away from this. I can be safe. Whereas like seeing some of these behaviors that Edward exhibits or in 50 shades of gray that Christian would exhibit in real life, all of a sudden it becomes much less yes. happy, <laughs> much yeah. less safe, much, much, much more problematic. Like I don't want my partner to be jealous. I don't want my partner to be controlling. I don't want my partner to be overprotective right. or obsessed with me or just like all of these things. Yeah. But in a novel. Yes. <laughs> and I wanted to add also that I think the self-insert thing is it makes this story perfect for fan fiction because the fun thing about fanfic is when you can be like, what if we took this character, what if we took these characters and put them somewhere else? Or like, <laughs> I really like these characters. <laughs> I really like these characters, but I want to see them in a different scenario. And I think especially because there were so many adults reading these books, I can see them being really into the vibe. But then Stephanie is pretty restrained, I feel like. like so they're the like, I want this, but I want it more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want it kinkier. Let's go. And, <laughs> and like the sexual tension is there. They just don't use words for it. They yeah. never say like, I don't know horny or like they don't say sex even like she says mm -hmm. oh is marriage right. the same for you yeah but like they have somehow that conversation when they're laying <laughs> yeah. in bed together and she asks him about like sex in a really roundabout way mm -hmm. yeah and, and he like says like i couldn't okay this has always been an issue for me for like these books in general but he tells her i could never have sex with you because i couldn't lose control for a single moment because if I did, I would, like, crush your face. And I <laughs> hate that idea because it kind of, like, speaks to this idea that, like, men are animals and mm. they can't completely control themselves. And, like, once things get, get out of hand, it's there's no stopping them. And that's just – that's not true at all. And it's totally harmful to perpetuate that. And it feels very strongly of this, like, boys will be boys mentality. And I hate mm. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally see where you're coming from. <laughs> I haven't read Fifty Shades, but I think that's the point of when they break up, right? Is when like Christian doesn't stop. Yeah, because when she tells she's him to stop. Yeah, yeah, she she uses her safe word and he ignores it, and that is not okay. <laughs> see, I'm not the only one who knows things about Fifty Shades. <laughs> Their safe word is red. Just thought I thought I'd let you know. <laughs> Wait, but Caitlin, were you saying something before I went off on my tangent? Um, I mean, no, I think my point was just that like, oh, oh, I was saying that um, Stephanie is very restrained in how she describes something that honestly feels very, um, very sexually tense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like the yeah. fact that they're like full on like cuddling in bed together like, usually that would be a setup for, like, it to go somewhere. Um, yeah. And it doesn't. But she puts them in situations. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like she just has them holding hands and kissing. Yeah. Like, she has them They're be. spending the night together. They're constantly yeah. alone together. Yeah. And, and you suppose that they are two 
sexual people. Yeah. That is the undertone. Yeah. At least with, I mean, Bella says she's never felt that way before about anyone else. Like, she says, oh, I've never really wanted to do anything before, but now with you. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Anyone will be hetero <laughs> for Edward. Well, you know, maybe um, it's, it's a dummy thing, Caitlin. <laughs> I mean, it probably is for her. Like, yeah. I feel like that's the way she describes it. But um, I, my point is just that I can see why people would be like, oh, well, like, it's all this. It's all in the subtext. I want to read it in the text. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so Fifty Shades weirdly makes sense to me now. I'm like, okay, yeah, I see how this was kind of like a, an outgrowth. Mm-hmm. Personally, I don't think she was that creative. Like, oh, let's take two characters in real life and and put them in real life. But now they're adults in a corporate setting. <laughs> wow, you're really coming for E.L. James. <laughs> you know, I think E.L. has her own share of haters. Um, it's true. That's... I don't think this is... She's not going to come for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I mean, just thinking about, like, all of the sexual tension before them, it just made me think that, like, this book is very Puritan in the way that it mm. thinks about mm. sex. Sorry, please continue. Wow, you had a thought. There's a line, yeah, that I want to... But I guess I kind of... I guess I appreciate that you have this, and then you have, like, a quarter of Thorns and Roses, or you have, like, the Throne of Glass series. Like, I guess I appreciate that you can... And I think she's gotten a lot of... I don't know, criticism. Judgment? Yeah, a lot of judgment from people being, like oh, this is so boring and it's so lame and they're not having sex and blah, 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 blah. Steven, um, cough, cough. <laughs> Steven. Um, and I, hey, if that's not your thing, that's not your thing. That's totally fine. Not everybody likes like a, a clean romance. Um, but I guess I appreciate that you, that we have choices, that we have kind of this yes. cleaner romance. Scale. With like so much sexual tension just dripping from the pages for all of the little girlies out there who are live through a book or something. Mm-hmm. Something like that. And then you have, yeah, like, Throne of Glass where you get, like, people biting each other and <laughs> limbs tangled or whatever. I haven't read those books. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I Sarah J. Moss. Roses, but the Sarah J. Oh. Moss people. Um, on the topic of the puritanical oh, <laughs> nature, I just wanted to um, read a selection. Please, that please I, take us away. That I have seen <laughs> mocked online. Ah. I just think it deserves it, and we should <laughs> <laughs> mock it, okay? So he's taking her to meet his family, his vampire oh, family. No. Okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, so she's like, oh, I'm gonna go get dressed. She apparently doesn't have many options. She's not a very fashionable creature. That's very true. Um, Forks doesn't seem very fashionable, though. I mean, they're... Well, Alice is, but... Oh, that's true. Well, the rich people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she says, I ended up in my only skirt. Long, khaki-colored, still casual. <laughs> <laughs> I put on the dark blue blouse he'd once complimented. So, like, a button-up or, like... I'm imagining a sweater. A dark blue, <laughs> long-sleeved sweater. Maybe a V-neck. Um, <laughs> and she pulls her hair back into a ponytail. Ooh, Which I know. <laughs> That's thick. Um, and she says, okay, I bounce down the stairs. I'm decent. Um, 
And then she runs down the stairs and he stops her, um, says, holding me a careful distance away for a few seconds before suddenly pulling me closer. Wrong again, he murmured in my ear. You are utterly indecent. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> no one should look so tempting. It's not fair. <laughs> in a blue shirt and khaki. A long khaki skirt. Where this is <laughs> the skirt. It goes wrong with the skirt. And the it's ponytail. Exactly. The ponytail. Honestly, sometimes kind of like a ponytail, though. But wow, if she this, is, said, like, this is the knitted cable knit leggings thing all over again. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is. What if she had said, like, a high pony, though? Like, I feel like instantly I'm like, fashion. High but pony. She says, I put my hair in a ponytail. No, and I'm, like, I'm okay, sorry. It's in the it's middle the of the head. It's the khaki skirt. It's it the is. khaki it's skirt. skirt. <laughs> the khaki skirt and the pony together. What? Bad combo. Why does she own a long khaki skirt? In Arizona. Arizona. <laughs> I, I lit, there's not a single reason I can come up with. It's not like funeral appropriate. She's right. not religious. She's not religious. <laughs> Did she need to wear it to like graduation once or something? <laughs> oh my goodness. I can think of no good reason. I also made note of a shirt he wore. I'm sorry. I'm notoriously picky about like clothes that authors mm-hmm. put. Like, and oftentimes I'm like, so your person's like ugly right now. <laughs> So oh, terrible. Wait, there or was like, this so you're making up clothes. <laughs> there was so when they went out to the meadow, uh, she said that both of them were wearing like beige sweaters with like white oh, yeah. like collars underneath or something. And then when he took what? off his sweater, his shirt was sleeveless. Wait, so that's the one. <laughs> that's the one I have a note of. Wait. I'm trying to imagine this sleeveless button-up collared shirt. No, I literally I can't. I literally wrote, he has a sleeveless white shirt with buttons? What kind of shirt is this? There's no reason you'd need that. Why is he sleeveless? He's too muscly. I'm really sad that wasn't put in the movie because I feel like feel like Robert Pattinson really would have worked it. Wow, that I'm was so that was good. Glad. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Um, I <laughs> also just want to bring up the fact that they always, or she always describes him as having a crooked smile, mm-hmm. and I am um, insecure about my own smile. I feel like it's lopsided, and oh. I once was complaining about this too. <laughs> Shout out to Kelsey. <laughs> Um, to Kelsey and Alexa, you know who you are. And Kelsey goes, okay, what are you? Edward Cullen. <laughs> and now every time they reference his crooked smile, that's all I can think of. And like, to me, I'm like, oh no, my smile is lopsided. But once she was like, okay, Edward, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, am I being like a pick me? Wow. Like, oh, is that why we're hot, reading this book? Just because smile. of that comment? <laughs> I love that. So funny. I would like to discuss the cover being the apple and also the fact that the book opens with a quote from Genesis. Mm, why? Okay. Like an Adam and Eve thing? Like, no, why? the quote what says... What are we doing here? It's the, it's the one where it says, like, if you oh, partake from the tree of... Okay, you go. Yeah, it's uh, Genesis Trigger warning, we're about to read scripture. <laughs> <laughs> Close your ears. Genesis 2.17. Uh, that is what the book says. I, I don't know that off of memory. <laughs> but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So you get it? It's a metaphor. I guess why the biblical illusion... Because I'm assuming the Dying. apple is supposed to be the the apple thing. The yeah. The Garden of Eden. Well, you know, you eat the apple... You're kicked out of 
the garden, but ultimately find paradise along the way. Interesting. Am I wrong? Well, I guess I <laughs> thought the apple was her becoming a vampire. Like, that's the temptation, is, like, she wants to be a vampire? No, Edward is the temptation. Oh. And if nobody has any final thoughts, I think that wraps well, it up. Well, do we want to make suggestions for similar media? Like, yeah, of course. You... Okay. Well, Vampire Academy. <laughs> if you want more vampires. I genuinely, I mean, speaking of, like, you know, good, just popcorn. See, those, for me, they have the romance and they have the action. There's a lot more fighting. That's yeah. Fair. So, if you want a little more, his training. Although, her love interest is a tall Russian man, and I've never been able to get behind that. <laughs> it's hard. To, for me, it's hard to recommend things for Twilight, because, again... Twilight is... It was the genesis. It was. And so, yeah. it was literally, like, look in the YA... There's literally a supernatural romance section because of right. this book. So, literally, pick right. up any single one of those. Right. Yeah. Hard, I think hard to know like, specifics. If you want more vampire <clears throat> content, I would recommend The Vampire Chronicles by Anne Rice. Um, they're really heavy, but they're also really creative and fun, and it's a really long story across and different time periods in history. Aren't they um, gay? There's a lot of... I don't know if any of her vampires actually have sex. Or are they unconfirmed? Sex. I've, I've I think that so there's many. a lot of sexual tension directed mm. towards everyone in those books. And what I'm going to say next is going to make nobody want to read these, but like one of her main characters is the vampire Lestat. And he has a very, like, Oedipal relationship with his own mother. Um, so, you know, when you're a vampire, you just feel a certain way towards everybody, I guess. Wow, you're just a sexual creature, you know? <laughs> yes. Like, a vampire, it, it is what you are. Yeah. Oh. Walking sex And walk. that also reminds me, I really enjoy The Coldest Girl in Cold Town. It's a good book. Oh, right? Is do. that one Holly Black? Yeah. I yeah. have reread that one a couple times. Like, mm, yeah. I really like that book's treatment. That's of... not really a romance, is it? Yeah. No. I love their relationship. Oh, never mind. Okay. I think it's, yeah, I love the vampire Interesting. dynamic in that book. Um, so hot. Okay. <laughs> and also, I mentioned this earlier, Sunshine by Robin McKinley. Mm. Um, there's a lot of baking in it. There's also a lot of vampires. And there's a lot of magic relating to Sunshine. It's much different. It's a much different vibe. It's very different. Yeah. But it is um, an interesting yeah. take on vampires. Yeah. And the and movies. We obviously recommend the Twilight movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're so good. <laughs> So many Pan. iconic moments and quotes and... You know the part... Yeah. I was expecting this to be in the book, but it's not in the book. Hang he's, on my back, you little spider Oh, in the book, he says, <laughs> you little coward. So... You little coward? He literally says, get on my back, you little coward. <laughs> spider monkey was perhaps a better option. <laughs> that upgrade. was a cringe. Um, but the movie has the line where he's like, say it. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, vampire. <laughs> I don't know what he does after that, but it's just, like, he wants to hear her say the thing. In the book, it's not nearly that No, no, no. That, that whole scene in the movie. Chef's kiss. <laughs> no notes. <laughs> no notes. <laughs> anyway. Wow. <laughs> this has been good. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. It's been fun processing this with all of you. It was just weighing on my mind. <laughs> Who doesn't love talking about the Twilight books and movies? <gasps> Boring <Dead> people. people. <laughs> none, uh, of our, uh, none of our listeners. None of our listeners. <laughs> and that concludes this episode of the Great Feminist Book Throwdown. If you like this podcast, be sure to follow us on Spotify and share us with your friends. 
Feel free to join in on the conversation about this book and others on Twitter. Our handle is at Book Throwdown. And let us know if you have any book recommendations. Thanks for tuning in. We love all of our listeners, and we look forward to meeting you again for our next Book Throwdown.